Good morning. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. And today, of course, is Erev Shavuos. This evening is the beginning of the Yom Tov, the holiday of Shavuos. I'd like to share with you an insight to the book of Ruth, something that I think is important to every one of us. It builds on what we were discussing over a number of weeks on Thursday nights, but it is its own separate message. There was once a rabbi, and he had served in many different rabbinical positions. So someone once asked him about how many jobs he had, how often he moved. And he said that his motto is, tell the truth, and see the world. It's not the hardest thing to tell the truth. The real accomplishment is to tell the truth in a way that people can hear it, that people can accept it. George Bernard Shaw famously said, if you want to tell the truth, you'd better make them laugh or they'll kill you. That's very true. And that's one way to do it, by making people laugh while you give a message that otherwise might be a little hard to hear. But the Book of Ruth is an example of another way that this can be done. So let's start by asking the following question. Who wrote the book of Ruth and why was it written? There are a number of opinions about this, but let me share with you the insight of the classical commentator Abarbanel, Dan Yitzchak Abarbanel, who lived at the end of the 1400s, first in Spain, and then you know, of course, he was among those who was expelled, but a great commentator among many other accomplishments. So he says that the book of Ruth was written by the prophet Samuel, Shmuel Hanavi. And it was written as a tribute to King David, David HaMelech. So let's just orient ourselves to the history. Shmuel was the prophet who was told by God to anoint the first Jewish king. That brings to an end the era of the Shoftim, the period of the judges that we were discussing, that's when the actual book of Ruth takes place. And Shmuel HaNavi, Samuel the prophet, is the one who anointed Saul, King Shaul, Shaul HaMelech, as the first king. You remember, of course, that didn't work out so well. Shaul was the king only for a short amount of time. And after that, God tells Shmuel to anoint David, David, as Melech, David Amelech, and that ushers in the Davidic reign, that all future kings of the Jewish people are descended from David, including in the future the Mashiach, we understand, will be a descendant of King David, David Amelech. Shmuel, of course, was much older than David. David was a very young man when he was anointed, but he became the king. 
that connection between Shmuel and David is the reason that within the canon, within the traditional order of the books of the Bible, of the Torah, the book of Ruth is placed just before the book of Psalms, Tehillim. Even though the book of Ruth, we've, we talked about this before, is much, much earlier. The book of Ruth historically comes before the book of Kings. Much earlier, over 3,000 years ago, the narrative in the book of Ruth took place. Psalms was um, at least approximately one to 200 years later. But they're placed next to each other to, to emphasize the connection between the two. And the book of Ruth was written by Shmuel as a tribute to David. And it's a very flattering tribute because it shows that David, King David, his paternal ancestry goes all the way back to Yehuda, the son of Yaakov. Yaakov had said to Yehuda, his son, at the end of the book of Bereshis, that kings will come from you. So showing that David was a descendant of Yehuda, a direct descendant through Boaz all the way back to Yehuda, shows that David was destined to be the monarch and from him in succession. And it also tells the story of Yehuda's, I'm sorry, of David's famous ancestor, Ruth. Ruth was David's great-grandmother and her attributes of nobility and piety and self-sacrifice that are described so beautifully in the book of Ruth are clearly intended to presage the personality of this young monarch of David HaMelech. So it is a glowing and flattering tribute to the young monarch, to David HaMelech. Within that text, Shmuel inserts a subtext. And it's not obvious on the surface. But it is a subtext. And it is a sharp message for David. A warning, but in a very nice way. It's a warning not only for David, but for everyone who would presume to be a Jewish leader. And again, as I've said many times, Jewish leaders are in many different contexts. And it also includes leading myself. We are all leaders in some way. And this message applies to every one of us. Let's start with the very beginning of the book of Ruth. It begins with a famine in the land of Israel. And we read about Elimelech. I shared with you before, Elimelech was the leader at that time. And he lived in a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And there was a famine. And Elimelech is the husband of Naomi and the father of two sons, Machlon and Chilion. And Elimelech, when the famine comes, 
to base Lechem, Elimelech takes his family and they leave. They leave for Moab, which is outside the land of Israel, on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. Today, that's part of Jordan. Then, as we know the story, while they are in Moab, Elimelech dies, Machlon dies, Chilion dies, Naomi is left bereft with these two women who were her former daughters-in-law, Arpa and Rus. Arpa goes home, Ruth comes back with Naomi to Israel, to Bezlechem, and then we have the rest of the story. Our rabbis point out a very strong message. They say that why was Elimelech punished by passing away before his time? Because when the famine came to Israel, our rabbis tell us, Elimelech said to himself, now everybody will be coming to me for food. This one with his cup, that one with her plate. And so he arose and fled from them to Moab. And this is the meaning of the verse near the beginning of the book of Ruth. And a man traveled from Bethlehem in Yehuda. Elimelech was a leader. And the role of a leader is not just to receive honor and to have power and to have wealth. The role of an authentic Jewish leader is to provide for his or her people, to be the source of their sustenance, both physical and spiritual. A great scholar today, Rabbi Yochanan Zweig, pointed out the following insight. The city from which Elimelech fled the city in which David, King David, would be born and successive kings would be born is Bethlehem, Bethlehem. The literal translation of that city, which is the source of monarchy in ancient Israel, Bethlehem, literally means the house of bread. It indicates that royalty, leaders, should be the source of sustenance to their people. The place which is identified as producing Jewish leaders also attempts to define the priorities of their role by its very name. This role is not limited to Jewish leaders. It is a role that was understood even by Paro in Egypt, in the Torah. Remember, Paro had a disturbing dream of seven fat cows followed by seven thin cows. And remember, the Torah tells us his own advisors gave him interpretations of that dream. One said it referred to seven daughters that he would have. Others gave other interpretations, but the Torah says Paro was not satisfied by any of those interpretations. Why? How does Paro know whether it's the right interpretation or not? Because Paro understood 
that if there is some message that is coming to him in the form of a dream, it is meant for him in his role as a monarch. And that role is to provide for his people. It is not meant as some personal message. And when Yosef comes and provides the interpretation that it refers to seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine, that interpretation resonates with Paro because it, under, it foretells his future problems in being able to feed his people and he accepts that answer. For a Jewish leader such as Elimelech to flee from Beis Lechem precisely when he is most needed is to abdicate his deepest responsibility. For a leader fleeing to Moab at that moment was a cardinal sin. And Naomi's humiliation when years later she returns to Beis Lechem, now alone, but together with Ruth, but her husband died and her children died. Her humiliation and shame when she returns is not only about the fact that she left wealthy and she comes back poor. She left aristocratic. She comes back a commoner. She left with a family. She comes back bereft. She is also ashamed to be identified as the wife of one who forsook his people in a time of need. And the rest of the narrative of the book of Ruth on one level is Naomi's attempt to rehabilitate herself to reestablish herself together with Ruth as a woman of caring and nobility who can be a role model of Jewish leadership for future generations. And the truth is, by the end of the book of Ruth, if you read the, if you read the last few verses carefully, you will see that she succeeds. And what's incredible is she succeeds, at least in large part, because of Ruth's assistance in that project. It is so common in our society to define heroes as those for whom we must make the greatest allowances. We so often seem to believe that popularity brings with it an enticement, an entitlement to self-centeredness. Shmuel begins his tribute to David with a veiled warning. And it's as much directed to us as it was to David. By weaving this warning subtly into the fabric of an otherwise glowing tribute, Shmuel manages to convey a serious message that can more easily be heard and heeded even by the most powerful monarch. And that is that a leader abdicates his responsibility to his people at his own peril. He must always remember for whom he is working and what his priorities are. Jeffrey Salkin tells the story of a rabbi. 
He was once walking in a neighborhood village late at night alone. And he met another man who was also walking alone. And for a while, the two men walked together in silence. Finally, the rabbi turned to the other man who was a stranger to him and said, Tell me, who do you work for? And the man said, I work for the town. I'm the night watchman. And they walked again in silence. Finally, the night watchman said to the rabbi, And who do you work for? And the rabbi said to him, I'm not always sure, but this I will tell you. Name your present salary and I will double it. All you have to do is walk with me and ask me from time to time, who do you work for? My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I want to wish you a wonderful and meaningful Yom Tov of Shavuos. This Yom Tov is a time when we have the opportunity to recommit ourselves to God and the Jewish people and God's commandments as we reenact standing at Mount Sinai, just as the Jewish people 3,500 years ago did. May this opportunity inspire us to connect, to deepen our appreciation, and to go forward with enthusiasm and love for God and God's Torah.